But behind that leader, behind that gift was somebody that was navigating trauma. And regardless if somebody utilizes substance or not, we all as leaders can say that we have navigated something. But what we do is we put a scale on things and we say, well, I'll never do that. I'll never be that. And yes, it's true. You might have never utilized a drug or you might have never did certain things someone else did or experimented on certain things that other people did. But we still navigate a lot of things personally that can affect how we lead and how we show up on a day to day. But we still are gifted. We're still great at what we do. But how do we navigate that? I want to personally invite you to join our free community. Yes, we all need to be a part of a community of like-minded individuals who are looking to execute and grow. And I'm not just saying professionally, but also personally. As a self-leader, how do you get yourself to that high performance level, to that next level? Well, we have the community just for you. If you want to join, text community to 443-230-5587. Again, text community to 443-230-5587. 5587 and let's get you locked in to a space that's going to take you to another level. What's up guys? Thank you for joining me on another episode of Internal Fire. And on today's episode, I want to have a real conversation of the fact that leaders struggle too. This conversation, this episode was influenced by an experience that I had this week as well as the unfortunate passing of Earl Simmons, also known as DMX. Regardless of if you're a fan of hip hop or not, regardless of even if you know the person or not, he was a leader, he had influence, but had some personal struggles that he was navigating throughout his season of leadership. So let's talk about the struggles that a lot of leaders have, how we can navigate it while also recognizing we have to show up a certain way and how that could be challenging for many of us in the journey of authenticity and the journey of really working on growth and development. Get your notepads and let's get into today's message. DMX was born Earl Simmons in Mount Vernon, New York on December 18, 1970. He moved with part of his family to the New York City suburb of Yonkers while still at a young age. He had a troubled past. He witnessed and experienced abuse that turned him violent. He had a lot of run-ins with the law and started utilizing drugs at a very young age. But he had a gift. And he continued to press forward and one time became the undisputed reigning king of hardcore rap. A piece entitled reads, he was that rare commodity, a commercial powerhouse with artistic and street credibility to spare. His rapid ascent to stardom was actually almost a decade in the making, which gave him a chance to develop the theatrical image that made him one of rap's most distinctive personalities during his heyday. He was able to still make something of himself. And we hear that a lot, especially when people have been through a lot of trauma in childhood. Some time ago, I did a podcast series where I really wanted to look at how or what experiences that specific person went through that might have caused them to get into a life of crime, that caused them to respond or react a certain way. And this was influenced from a piece uh, or or, uh, some studies that I did in one of my um, undergraduate classes where, because I focused in on criminal justice, 
And in this specific paper that we had to write, we had to um, be those individuals that go back and really read and learn about those individuals that are facing, you know, some prison time to identify what is the story behind the person? What could have potentially led them down this path to commit this major crime? And before I chose the person that I was going to do the project on, I judged them. Because again, you see these people do these horrendous crimes. And of course, right? I mean, what they did was wrong. Um, We come up with these ideas of individuals from what we see. But once we hear their stories, really see what they had to navigate around for them to, you know, end up in that space, it's eye-opening. So a lot of people have talked about maybe the substance abuse issues that DMX had and the things that he had to navigate which is connected to a lot of the trauma he experienced as a childhood. But he still had a gift. He was still a leader. He still made impact. He still was gifted. He was a soundtrack for for a season of my life, definitely. I love DMX, Rough Riders, all of them. But behind that leader, behind that gift was somebody that was navigating trauma. And regardless if somebody utilizes substance or not, we all as leaders can say that we have navigated something. But what we do is we put a scale on things and we say, well, I'll never do that. I'll never be that. And yes, it's true. You might have never utilized a drug or you might have never did certain things someone else did or experimented on certain things that other people did. But we still navigate a lot of things personally. That can affect how we lead and how we show up on a day to day. But we still are gifted. We're still great at what we do. But how do we navigate that? I mean, just imagine if our leadership or if our role was put in front of the world for everybody to see and judge and add their opinions to. Oh, my goodness. Just imagine how tough that would be. But in reality, a lot of leaders are struggling with a lot of different things, including substance abuse. And I found this really interesting article that talked about that. It said addiction can impact anyone, including including highly successful business people. The number of fatal overdoses in the U.S. has risen significantly between 99 and 2017, according to the National Institute of Drug Abuse. And the world's alcohol assumption is set to rise by 17 percent over the next decade. It follows to say pressure to drink at work and social events can contribute to alcohol abuse. This is especially common in the tech and finance industries, where there is often a pervasive drinking culture. Highly successful founders and investors, from the wing co-founder to the shoe magnate, Steve Madden, have struggled with addiction in the past. So this article really looks at some successful business people who talked about past alcohol abuse and drug abuse. And yes, I might be saying, you might be saying, this is the extreme. I've never had this specific issue, but there might be some things personally that you're struggling with. There are studies have shown that talked about the level of stress that leaders are dealing with, but they show up to work day to day with a brave face because they're being watched. Being a leader is not an easy task. It's not. We have to realize when we get into these roles, we are essentially putting ourselves in front of individuals who have a certain expectation of us. And that's why I'm so passionate about redefining how we see leaders, redefining um, how we look at 
the how a leader should show up because they still are, have struggles. Yes, it might not be the extreme to or what we consider an extreme with something such as alcohol abuse or drug abuse. But someone navigating a divorce can be troubling. Someone navigating some issues within the home because they have a child that has an ailment or a sickness or something that they're trying to help them with is still tough. Navigating marital issues, family issues, navigating traumas. This happens to our leaders. But again, we still feel that we have to show up and we have to look one way. So how can we normalize this idea and recreate this idea of leadership? I was blessed to be a guest on a podcast and the audience is fathers, but we also talked about leadership and leadership in the household. And one of the questions that um, people, they ask specifically is what is a leader? And I say a leader doesn't necessarily have to have a role in position. Yes, there's a, there are certain roles and opportunities out there that puts you in that role or gives you that specific uh, 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 attention, right? Or makes you that quote unquote leader. But leadership is influence. You don't have to have a, a specific title or a position for you to be a leader, All of us are experts at something or all of us are at a space where someone is willing to follow us and follow our lead. That makes us a leader. Every single person is a leader. But now, yes, you do have a group of people who decide to enter into leadership roles, quote unquote roles professionally, which require them to um, execute and show up for a team and an organization and lead that team, that organization, that company towards a specific goal. But they're still navigating a lot of different things. They're still navigating a lot of struggles. They're still having a, their personal life is still happening throughout that. And even if we're a team member, we also have to recognize that that leader that you see there, that you just think is just amazing, which they are, there are layers to that individual. I got promoted on 1 April. I'm so grateful for it. I'm so grateful. But in that speech, when I was sharing, you know, my my story, or we always have this part where we can kind of talk, I say, here stands before you a survivor of trauma. Here stands before you a suicide survivor. Here stands before you someone that's made a lot of mistakes. Here stands before you somebody that was navigating a lot of things while serving, so I don't want you all to look at me with this rank on and envy it or say man or, or any of that or just look at me as superhuman. I'm just like you. I just took time to really work and develop on my, myself. I had to navigate and make certain decisions in this process. I failed. I've had conversations with my leadership at the past that talked about, hey, Aisha, you're a leader. People are watching you. You have to be mindful of how you move and navigate this role. And I had a tough time in that moment. I remember having, having a conversation with my friend. I feel like I have to always be on. If I have one bad day, I could be judged from that one bad day. Well, why can't we give other leaders grace? Why can't we start to say, you know what? You are, you are an individual and a person just like me. And I know that you're navigating a lot of different things. And it's okay. But unfortunately, we're held at a higher standard and I understand it 
Because the assumption is when you take on a leadership role, you have considered those things. You know that, okay, I have to navigate X, Y, and Z. And that is a a reality and a fact. But how do we juggle that? How have you juggled that? Are you addressing it? Because I always tell leaders that, yes, you have the role, you have the title, you have the responsibility. But when you're faced with something, how are you addressing it? Are you even addressing it or are you maybe pushing it to the side? Has your job and your role been the escape from what's happening? But that stuff does spill over. And I think that being in a leadership role really forces us to grow and develop because there's so many eyes on us. Because there's so many people watching us. So even with DMX, he's been to rehab. He's done the work. He recently got out of rehab and was doing work. And regardless of the circumstances of his unfortunate passing, he was still navigating something he had been struggling with that went all the way back from childhood trauma. And it happens. Just imagine getting a call during the week. And you have someone on your team that says to you, hey, I'm having mental health struggles. Someone that's, I might be the leader in that organization or in that section, but they're a leader too. There's someone behind them that's looking to them. But their question was, you know what? It wasn't about taking time off and making sure they get the care that they need. Their question was, how would this affect my career? How would this quote unquote look? And I'm grateful that I have really practiced authenticity as a leader, which has taken time because I shared my experience. And I said, hey, at this same organization years ago, before full circle, now I'm back here, I had personal struggles. And I'm not saying that you have to tell your leadership everything that you're going through. But in regards to performance, you notice it affected your performance and you shared, hey, it's affected my performance and I need to take some time off. First off, I was just grateful that he was comfortable enough and brave enough to share that information with me. However, just the idea, the the question of how would this affect my career versus, you know what, I just need to take time off to take care of myself. But many of us do that. We'll put on the brave face. We say there's nothing wrong. And again, we don't have to share everything that's going on with our team members or with our other leadership. But sometimes we're just struggling internally and we don't take action because we we are worried about how it looks. And that's no fault of them because I've done it plenty of times. Even if you have a bad day now, many of us will say we got to keep on this brave face. But are we addressing that thing? So after sharing that story, I urge them, go get the care you need. I have your back. And if anybody in this organization or as you're navigating this process, gives you pushback, I have your back. Because what I want to do is create a culture and create a space where my team knows that I care, that they know that mental wellness is something that I find extremely important. And if we're looking at it from a performance standpoint, people have to care, care for themselves in order for them to perform effectively. So that task for that day was, hey, take the necessary time within the next few hours and come up with a plan. Here's some resources. This is who you can call. 
choose which one fits what you want to do. And I need to know by the end of the day what your plan is, even if it requires you taking off. Don't worry about the workload. We got it. It is what it is. But I want you to prioritize yourself. But the same information that I'm putting out there, I need to take myself, which I have. I've been on this journey to really ensure that I'm prioritizing myself, giving my more, myself more grace, recognizing, hey, when I need a day off, I'll take a day off. Finding ways to recuperate and really build up my mental health and my wellness. So not only do we need to ensure that we're taking that advice, are we even creating those type of cultures? And spaces within our companies and our organizations, our departments, where when someone comes to you and maybe they do say specifically, I'm dealing with the mental health issues, that you're like, okay, I understand, you know, you don't have to give me, divulge anything else, but I want you to know that I care. We're here to support you. Here are some resources, or I don't know the resources, but go to HR and see what we can do or what they can do to support you. Do you have conversations with your team about taking a day off or recognizing, man, I know you you have that team member that shows up all the time. They work long hours. They're just so dedicated. But is that normal? Are they taking time for themselves? I had another team member as well. Oh, I'll probably be up until 10, 11 o'clock working. That's not normal. I can't, I can't make that choice for you. You are more than welcome to do that. However, I advise against it. Right. I'm giving you that. Hey, don't do it. I advise against it. Especially if this is a pattern of behavior, I want you to make sure you're a priority. The work will be there. Not only that, we have to realize that when the work stops or when that person gets hurt or harmed, someone else will be put into that position to execute. Someone else is going to be, hey, it's a machine, it's a business, it's a company, it has to keep going. But what about us? We have to keep going. And we have to make sure that we're creating cultures and environments where we prioritize ourselves and also our team. So as we are in service for other people and making sure our team has what they need, we need to make sure we're doing it as well. Leaders struggle too. So regardless if you're in a leadership role or you're a team member, recognize that leaders struggle too. There's a human behind that person and they have to navigate and they're also navigating a multitude of things. Yes, it might not be right now in this season, but they might. And we need to be able to give people a level of empathy and grace as they navigate that. They're still gifted. They're still talented. But they struggle just like us. And regardless of what you consider an ex- one extreme to another... It doesn't matter. Leaders struggle too. So on the other side of this podcast, we're going to talk about some tools and some strategies to really ensure that we're creating uh, spaces where we empathize, that we're managing authenticity because that's the other factor. We We are showing up with masks on and we're not being authentically who we are because we want to hide. We want to hide the fact that we're human. And we want to be seen as superhuman. So what can we do to make sure we are functioning in authenticity as a leader, transparency, and also creating cultures where we are ensuring that not only are we practicing what we preach, but we're also empowering our team members and those around us to get the help and the support that they need. Don't go anywhere. Stay right here for the other half of this message. That'll be back to you in one second. 
leaders need constant developing. It might be on the personal side of development or the professional side, but essentially the work that you do on yourself will benefit how you show up as a leader in the home as well as within the workplace. Check out these testimonials from some clients I've worked with in the past and make sure you book your session soon. They want to continue on this journey because it has been very beneficial for me. Um, like I said, I'm not the same person. I don't feel like I'm the same person I was five weeks ago. How I fit your strategic goal. And they're like, wow, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, that does. I mean, I'll... I, I'm glad. I'm glad you got me there because that's that's good. So, I feel it was accurate. Like, what what's your feedback? I think it was definitely accurate. Thank you so All much. Right. This was fantastic. You're welcome. You're welcome. And you have period. Like, how do you feel now? I do want to be successful in my business. Um, I need to work on me. I'm like, I'm happy right now. I am. I'm, that's this is good. good. So, what are you waiting for? Schedule your session today. So as we know, a lot of leaders really started to have conversations about mental wellness as we started to navigate COVID-19. There has been a lot of conversations. I have been blessed to have the opportunity to go into companies and organizations and talk to their leaders about navigating stress. What an amazing thing. People are hiring me to talk about stress management and resiliency more often now than just leadership development. And although that is a piece of navigating leadership, it's so refreshing to see that companies are caring and they're recognizing that their team members need it. So what can you do as a leader, a manager, or even a team member? Because maybe you're an aspiring leader. Maybe you're a business or a CEO and you're like, I don't even have a team yet. I always say these are some things you need to think about because a lot of times when we think about starting a business or people at the grassroots process of building a business, they don't even think about these type of things. How can I create a culture at some point if I have a team member that is navigating stress? How can I support them? But one of the things that's big is vulnerability. Being honest about maybe your own mental health struggles. As a leader, that opens up a lot of doors for employees and team members to feel more comfortable, to talk about their mental health challenges. And again, there is a level of, you know, protections and uh, professionalism and so on when it comes to that. So for sure, you want to ensure you do that in a way that um, maintains a level of anonymity. Also, especially if you're thinking about someone that raises anything that's alarming that you might have to um, get HR involved. So before you do that, definitely find out from your human resources team. Um, For some of you leaders out there that maybe have a business and you're like, I don't have an HR team. That's why it's so important to get um, additional support. There are a lot of HR managers or individuals that have a HR-based type of uh, coaching or business that will come in and give you the tools that you need. Um, So definitely get with the coach who can give you these tools, but ask them, okay, if I bring this up, if somebody says this, what can I respond and say? 
I'm mentoring a lot of programs and that's a part of our mentorship training. Hey, if one of the young girls divulges this to me, how do I respond to it? Because there are certain cases where you have to report it to the police. You have to mention it. And unfortunately, because we've seen so many mass shootings that are happening at companies and individuals who have might have shared that they you know, had some troubles or mental health issues were brought up in the past. It's a real situation. So we need to have the information to also know what if I hear this, how can I respond to it? So not only should you be vulnerable, but before you do that, of course, get with your company or an HR specialist and find out, hey, what are the do's and the don'ts? How can I maintain a level of vulnerability while also being professional and also ensuring that I give this person the right tools, the recommendations? What are the opportunities or who do they need to call to get the information from? Just ask all those questions so you have it. So when someone does approach you, you can give them some resources. We in the military, we've had these conversations a lot. We know the procedures of ACE. Um, I'm someone that's certified in the ASSIST program when it comes to suicide prevention. Um, and we know who the P are and who to direct the person to if they need support. So that's already in my back pocket. But do most of you have that information? If not, please get it. So yes, it's in vulnerability and having spaces where you can have those conversations. Um, this great article says research has shown that authentic leadership can cultivate trust and improve employee engagement and performance. But we'll give you some strategies for authentic, um, re- excuse me, authentic leadership right after we talk about um, how to create spaces that mental wellness is something that you can, you know, make into a, this is the company culture. This is the department culture. This is how me as a leader um, are, is going to navigate these. Because again, sometimes we can influence the entire company, the entire organization. Maybe it's just the, the department. Maybe it's just that one, two, three, four team members that you support, but you can do something. Also model healthy behaviors. Don't just say you support mental health. Model this so that your team members feel that they can prioritize self-care and set boundaries. This piece in Harvard Business Review continues and says, more often than not, managers are so focused on their team's well-being and on getting the work done that they forget to take care of themselves. I just said that in the first half, didn't I? I just said that. So it's sharing the information. It says share, share that you're taking a walk in the middle of the day. Hey, I have a therapy appointment. Right. Or prioritizing a staycation. And again, make sure you uh, just identify the legalities of saying things like that. But, you know, again, some spaces that's allowed, some spaces it's not. I share that with my team member. Hey, you know, I go to therapy on a regular basis. It's something that I put a part of my maintenance plan. I think that we need to just like we go to the doctor annually. I think that therapy is something we should add in there just to make sure that we have somebody to go to that can give us the tools and the strategies when we're navigating tough seasons or transitions. So I don't mind sharing that. And the military environment that I'm in is, is, has pushed um, being open to share those things. So model healthy behaviors. Build a culture of connection through check-ins, right? So what are you doing to check in with your team members? Yes, we're on a virtual space. That doesn't mean that we don't check in. At my last organization, and even now, I the things that I learned from my last organization I brought here, I meet with my team as a group. I don't go right into the work. I have those conversations. Hey, before we get into anything, how are you mentally, spiritually? How are you physically? If Spiritually, if you practice that, but how are you? We go around and we have that conversation. 
And of course, it doesn't mean that you have to divulge or push people to divulge everything there, but it's just showing I care. I'm checking in with you. And not only do it in a group setting, do it as an individual phone call. Check in with each individual personally, one-on-one. I've had plenty of one-on-one conversations with my team members that no one else would ever know. Because sometimes in a group setting, they won't be open to share that. But make sure that you're utilizing that. There's a study from um, Qualtrics and SAP that said nearly 40% of global employees said that no one at their company had asked them if they were doing okay. And those respondents to the study were 38% more likely than others to say that their mental health had declined since the outbreak. So this this study or this conversation was circled around COVID-19 and navigating that. But just go beyond a simple, how are you? Ask specific questions about what supports would be helpful. Maybe that team member doesn't know what's available to them. And maybe, again, it's bringing an HR specialist on a call with the group and saying, hey, I know we've been navigating the pandemic. I know that life happens. So what I've done is I brought in an HR specialist to let you know about the benefits or the opportunities that or, or give you some options of what you can to, to do to address your mental health or whatever it is that you're navigating. And they might have information and tools that they can share in that conversation that their team members never knew. A lot of individuals don't know that their health benefits cover mental, um, mental wellness or mental support or, or family therapy, anything like that. Or again, that HR person might be able to bring on someone from that healthcare plan that can say, oh, you know, this is what we have available. But go beyond that. Really listen and encourage questions. Show that you're concerned and don't be overbearing because that could potentially backfire. Just make it a genuine conversation. Practice it. And if someone shares that they're struggling, you know, you might not always know what to say or do. So it might be just saying, hey, you know what? Well, let's talk offline. I'll try to get you some additional support. Call them after that. But again, equip yourself with the information ahead of time. And then offer flexibility, be inclusive. So this article continues to say, expect that the situation, your team needs and your own needs will continue to change. Check in regularly, particularly, particularly, I can't say that word. <laughs> Check in regularly, in particular, I like that, y'all like how I switch that up, during transitioning points. There are a lot of people who are struggling during transition, going from working virtual. We had a team member from my last organization that just was not used to working in a virtual space and they struggled. They hated it. So checking with them had to be something that was done on a regular, uh, regular basis. You can help maybe problem solve. Maybe you can, hey, this team member knows how to utilize this, this uh, information or um, this specific tool. Let's connect you all and let's help them walk you through the process because that could add a lot of stress to individuals and now their performance is different. There are a lot of people struggling working from home and finding that balance of working home and showing up in the workplace. But it's about being flexible, understanding that change is going to happen, recognizing that people might need to take days off, but really take a customized approach. I always say take a customized approach because you, from paying attention to your team, hopefully you're doing it, you'll be able to see who is more vocal, who might be more quiet. And those are the ones you might be able to say, okay, I need to tap into them a little bit more. 
I need to have more one-on-one conversations with the person. Have one-on-one conversations with everyone, but you can tell, okay, let me make sure I'm checking in with this person a little bit more. I need to be more connected with them more often. But it's about empathy. It's about being real, authentic. And communicate more than you think you need to. And I think I kind of hit that over and over again. That same study said that um, employees who felt their managers were not good at communicating have been 23 more... Three, excuse me, 23% more likely than others to experience mental health declines since the outbreak. So make sure you're keeping them informed of changes and updates. If there's any modified work hours or if you're open to that, hey, talk about it. Because sometimes that little piece can really um, help somebody navigate a stressful season. Just imagine if they're dealing with things personally and now you're not communicating all the different changes Or there's something last minute and you're like, hey, can you show up today? Hey, is it okay? Do you have the time? I ask that now. And yes, you know, you might be like, no, you know, some, and yes, there are some things that just need to be done, but have the respect enough, right? Because they're a team members. They're a great asset. They're supporting that mission and vision. They're also benefiting that mission. So ask individuals, hey, is it okay? Do you have time? And also when you do have those hot items, prioritize it or utilize communicating that in a better way or just recognizing and even setting yourself, holding yourself accountable to recognize if you're a leader who tends to share last minute information, do you need to work on your communicating? Do you need to really work on connection and and getting the tools to do that? There are people who can support you in doing that. There are coaches, there are trainings. There's so many things you can do to develop in that area. But really start doing that. It continues and says almost 46% of all, all the workers in our study studies said that their company had not proactively shared a lot of the changes that was happening. So a lot can change by you just sharing information with your team members. It also says, and be aware that shame and stigma prevent many employees from using their mental health benefits to seek treatment. So normalize the use of those services. So there's so many things you can do. Organizational leaders, CEOs, if you're listening, you can invest in training. There's so many people that are out there. Again, I talked about resiliency training that I went and did. I did a whole three-day workshop at a university with business leaders and walk them through the process of how to reframe and navigate stressors. There are people out there that'll do that. And if you don't have a budget to invest, they have mental health employee resource groups out there. There's a lot of low-cost ways to bring somebody to, uh, to support them. Modify policies and practices. Really look at your policies and practices. Okay, you might have a team member that, hey, it might really benefit them working from home. Do you really need them to come into the office? If so, can you do a flexible uh, schedule with them? So be flexible. Really look and see, okay, um, what is my flexible hours? Paid time off. Um, How is our email communication looking? Paid and unpaid leave. Really look at that. And even when we do performance feedbacks, that's a great opportunity to gauge to see where someone is, is, is feeling. And then ask them questions. Hey, is there something I can do to support you better? And then the measurement process, because as you're implementing these changes and doing this, what changes are you seeing? Is it beneficial? And are other leaders, and say you're the person at the top, are the other leaders that you're saying that you want them to do this part and ensure that they are um, 
embedding this type of culture into those departments, if they aren't exercising what you're trying to do, what is the accountability measure? This is the culture you want to create. You value this. Hold those leaders accountable who will not effectively execute in this area. And also ask them because maybe they have blind spots. Maybe it's communication and areas they need to develop in, which is fine. And then again, do the investment, get them the support that they need so they can build on that area. But hold those leaders accountable because if it's something that you value, they have to ensure that they also value those things as well. And I talked about authentic leadership and a lot of it is tied to that becoming more self-aware. Check yourself and identify what areas you need to work on. Model those behaviors. Lead with your heart. Yes, there's an actual cognitive part, the mind. We have to be strategic in what we do. But just make sure that there's a level of empathy that goes along with how you lead. Focus on long-term results. On long-term results. Patience, right? There's a level of patience that we need. So even if we're navigating changes, we have to realize that long-term, this this might not change today, but it'll change in the future. Even for you, as you're navigating what you're navigating, you might not see immediate result and think that, okay, today you're going to automatically be changed, but realize, okay, if I need to invest in therapy for six months, I'm going to look at it at this long-term growth, how it's going to benefit me and how I, how I show up as a self-leader, a leader in a company organization, and also a leader at home. So really practicing those things, those listening skills, that transparency, drawing on your own personal experiences. There's no better teacher than life. And being an authentic leader, you can draw from lessons learned from your life experiences. Those are the things that you can share. So leading with authenticity, being open to share that information creating those cultures where you're not even you're not just prioritizing the health and the support of your team but also modeling it it can go a very long way so what tools are you going to utilize some of them all of them you might already be doing this and if so kudos to you and i know we talked a lot about our teams who are our future leaders but this same applies to you If you're a leader in a company and you do have influence and you can make changes and you know that within that top tier leadership, you all don't talk about these type of things. Have those conversation. Bring someone in to talk to your top tier leaders, yourself and all of you all to equip you all with the tools for that. It was so great to be able to talk to the CEOs and founders of companies about navigating it and now telling them this too is stuff that you can implement personally and also you can implement within your companies. Leaders struggle too. But I urge you and I charge you to take the lead in growing constantly, constantly, developing constantly, doing the work regularly. So you're ensuring that you are prioritizing your care, your mental wellness. And by you following that lead, those that follow you will also follow that lead. And realize that sometimes we can't change everyone. Some people might not take the tools and strategies. Some people might, unfortunately, just not address it. It it can happen. 
but at least you're modeling it and at least you have created that culture to say, leader struggle, but this is what I'm doing. And this is what I'm going to give you and support you with on this journey as you get to the other side of what you're dealing with. But I'm going to live it. I'm going to be empathetic. I'm going to support you on this journey. And I hope you all can support me. And sometimes your team might not understand. And that's why it's so important to have leaders at your level and outside support of people that will also help you through the journey because your team might not be the individuals that you can go to to support you. That might not, that won't be the best place to go. But what does your circle of support look like? And make sure you have that social support. You have that mental support, that practice that you're doing on a regular basis. Maybe something you can do physically that taps into that. And if spirituality is your thing, that you can tap into that as well. But create those walls of self-care, self-support, mental wellness support as you navigate the different seasons, transitions, and things that we face as leaders. As always, we, I appreciate you guys tuning in today. Apply this information. And I hope you see tremendous change by just taking the step towards addressing those areas and growing and developing as a leader.